Uh, this evening's reading is taken from 1 Peter, and I am going to start reading um, verse 22 of chapter 1. This can be found on page 1216 in the Bibles in front of you. So that's 1 Peter, chapter 1, starting to read at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that, you have no, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, it would be really good if you uh, have that passage that Wendy kindly read for us um, in front of you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and into chapter 3. And it's page 1217. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much that we have the privilege of having your word in front of us this evening. Uh, Father, we, we pray that you would be speaking to us clearly and powerfully through it this evening. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been working at the church here just over a year now, uh, and so it's been a good chance for me to uh, look back and review some of the things that I've been able to do. Uh, it's been great to be involved with Cameo on a Thursday morning, uh, being able to get alongside older people there and um, learning from them and getting to know them. Uh, also, the chance to be involved with kids' work uh, has been a real joy and privilege, something that I, I thought I'd never really get on very well with, but actually uh, loving it be, um, as well. Grateful for the many friendships that I've formed with people uh, here, uh, moving an unbelievable amount of chairs, uh, and uh, eating probably far too much cake as well. But as I was preparing for this evening, uh, I realized something else, less uh, visible, uh, that I've seen. And that is um, the work of God's Word in my life and also in other people's lives, from the youngest through to the oldest. And that's what these verses are all about, God's work in people's lives through His words. And it's something important for us all to be able to encounter God in his words, be changed by its message and have him continue to change us and grow us as we live the Christian life. So we're going to look at three things here this evening uh, that the word of God does. They're on the back of your service order and that they'll be on the screen as well. Uh, and the first one is this, the word that can change us, the word that can change us. 
It's great. We just sang that song, uh, not just because I asked for it, but, but also uh, because in it we sung, uh, there's salvation in his words. His voice has called us from the grave. God's word is so powerful that it can change us. It can bring salvation to us. How does that happen? Have a look down with me at the first part of verse 22. It says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. It says, by obedience to the truth, we've been purified. Which means we've heard the word of God, the truth that it contains about us being sinful in God's sight, deserving death and hell, but it also gives us the good news of Jesus coming to die in our place to make a way for us to be acceptable in God's sight. And God's worked in us by his spirit through the word of God being preached to us, to respond to it by obeying its message. And if we've done that, if we've done as it calls us to, to accept it as true and receive by faith the free gift of salvation that God offers, it says that we have been purified. Peter wrote earlier in chapter 1 in verse 14 that once we were a part of the world, we were conformed to its evil desires that we had when we lived in ignorance, but now we've been changed. We've been purified so that we've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And as we heard Phil Washington last week, we were hearing that we're called to live like we've been purified. Living holy lives because we're children of our Father God, who is holy. Have a look down at verse 23 with me. For you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Think for a moment, what's your favourite book other than the Bible? I have loved reading the Harry Potter books, uh, more than one book, but uh, there's seven fantastic, exciting stories. And yet these books, and in fact every other book ever written, is nothing compared with God's words that contains the the gospel message which is so powerful that as it's read and preached, as it's explained to people, people can have their lives transformed through believing and trusting its message. Peter describes there in verse 23 that we've just read that God's word is a seed. It's an imperishable seed at work in us. What does Peter mean by this? Well, he is talking about the means by which we are born. Naturally, we're born through human perishable seed, and so we are a perishing people. However, the seed of God's word can never perish. So this evening, if you've been born again by God's words, it's this imperishable seed at work in you 
And so your new life in Christ can never die. Your earthly body will perish, but your new life from God will last eternally. What an encouragement for us. What a great reminder of our eternal hope. And in verses 24 and 25, Peter quotes from Isaiah to back up his point about God's word being imperishable. Have a look at it with me. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the fields. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. What we hold in our hands or what is around us this evening it is the word of the Lord and enduring words. Its message never changes. And as we've seen, it's a life-giving word. We get eternal life from it. This must have been so encouraging for Peter's readers to hear. They were going through trials There were people that that were mocked, uh, people mocked them, uh, and they were feeling a bit like strangers in this world. And perhaps we feel like that too. Maybe we wonder whether it really was worth us turning to follow God. And yet they can, as it were, lift their eyes beyond their suffering to the thought of their new life in Christ that can never die. There are so many things, aren't there, that change in our world. Just in the words of verses 24 and 25, we are like grass and flowers that wither and perish. Things in our own life change, circumstances change. We may move home, we may go away to study, our teachers change, our colleagues change. We make new friends, we may lose old friends. But the message of the gospel, God's word, will never change. That means I think that we can trust God's words to be true. And it should give us confidence in them as we have the amazing privilege to share these words with others in such a changeable world to people that are like the grass and flowers. They are withering and perishing. And yet we have a message that endures, that gives certain hope, life to what is dead, and can change people's lives now and for all eternity. And that's incredible. And this evening, if you don't know the life that the Word can give, its message is that you can through believing in the work of Jesus, that he's done for you at the cross, that we've been singing about this evening, and in his resurrection. Trusting in that can transform your life from being dead in sin to being made alive in Jesus. Secondly, we see here the word that calls us to love. The word that calls us to love. When someone changes school, obvious changes happen. They have to perhaps go a different journey to school. They get given a new timetable. They have new teachers. They have new classmates. 
and they have a new school uniform to identify them as a people at that school. But if they went to their new school, and I don't think this would ever happen, but if they went to their new school with their old school uniform, they'd look a bit odd. They'd look out of place. It wouldn't be obvious to other people, both inside and outside the school, that they've changed schools at all. Well, if we've been changed by God's word, it should be seen by others as we wear our, as it were, Christian uniform of love. Because that should be seen in the life of someone who's been changed by God. Have a look down there at verse 22 again with me. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. We should find that as Christians, we have a new ability to love. Peter uses two different words for love here in this verse, in uh, the original language that the Bible is written, Greek. The second one there, love one another deeply from the heart. The word that is used, it implies that we should be showing love to others in the way that God has shown love to us. His self-sacrificial love in giving his very son up for us to save us. And so we should be desiring to love in that self-sacrificial way, just as God has loved us in that way. So we find that we have a new ability to love and we also find that we have a new family to love. There in verse 22 again, he writes, so that you have a sincere love for each other. Love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, for that is what we are. Turn with me for a moment, a few pages on to 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 to 8. John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is Love. Evidence someone has become a Christian should be seen in their love for the family of God. So I wonder, are there Christians in our church this evening, or perhaps elsewhere, that you find it hard to love? Maybe you think, I won't speak to them because they don't, I don't really like them. Or, they're not really interested in me. They are really old. I only want to speak to people my age. And yet we're all part of the same family of God. We are all joined together, united in the fact that once we were a people of the world and now we are a people of God because of Jesus' work on the cross. I love these words from a hymn by Keith and Kristen Getty, which say, Beneath the cross of Jesus, his family is my own. Once we were strangers tracing selfish dreams, but now we're one through grace alone. 
And so how could I now dishonor the ones that you have loved? Beneath the cross of Jesus, see the children called by God. Peter was one of Jesus' twelve apostles, and so he learned these things from being with Jesus. And he would have heard him say these words, A new commandment I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus calls us to be loving one another, and in doing that, we are being obedient to what God's word calls us to do. So what should this life of love look like? I had a list that I made up, it's by no means full, uh, but hopefully it will get you to start thinking. Why don't we be forgiving others when they wrong us, just as God has forgiven us? Why don't we care for one another, because God cares for you? Maybe you haven't seen someone in church for a while. Why not send them a message? Why not give them a phone call and find out how they are doing? Why not invite people to your home? Share a drink with them. Share a meal with them. Don't get easily angered with others. Why not read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7? That, that verse, those verses are, are often read at weddings, that, which talk about what love is. Pray through it. Ask God to show you where you are not loving well and rejoice in his work where you are loving well and pray that you'd love him even better in that way. We love because he's first loved us. So we've seen the word that can change us the word that causes us to love, and finally, the word that can grow us. And we see that in the first few verses of chapter 2. Being changed by God is a bit like changing our clothes. If we find ourselves in a situation where we've been out and we've got our clothes muddy, or perhaps we've got all sweaty and horrible, hopefully we'll want to take them off, have a shower, and wear some new lovely clothes. What a good feeling that always is. Well, verse 1 of chapter 2 lists five things that are a bit like that mud or that sweat on our clothes. And we need to wash them off as they get in the way of us living this life of love that God calls us to live. Have a look down there at chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Let's go through them very quickly. It's not a nice list, but it's there. And let's think about it for a moment. There's malice, that evil desire to, lo- to um, harm someone. That's not loving. Being deceitful, hiding the truth from others, that's not loving. What about hypocrisy? Where what we appear to be to others is very different from what we're really like. Is that loving? By envy, 
being jealous of something someone has, wanting it for ourselves. That's not loving. Each one we see interferes with us loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Peter goes on to tell us that we need to be nourishing our life to help us to love more. So how do we do that? Verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. It's by craving the word of God and letting it do its work in us. Just as we need food and drink to live, so we need spiritual food to keep us going and for God to continue his work in our lives. It's vital, isn't it, for a baby to be fed with milk. So just as it is, so we we need to be fed with the milk of God's words. I've never had a baby, uh, so I've never really known uh, why it's important for babies to have milk. So, listen up. Um, (laughs) um, Milk contains lots of nutrients, which are essential for growing babies. Nutrients like calcium for healthy bones and teeth and protein for growth and energy. Milk's also good for comfort and soothing for bedtime. I'm sure some of you knew that, but I didn't until recently. Um, Just as it's vital for a baby to have that milk, so it's important for us. And we need it so we can grow, so we can grow in our ability to love others, so we can grow in those holy lives which we're called to live. This verse tells us God's word is pure. It's good stuff that comes into us to to help us to sin less and hopefully honour God more. So do you crave it? Do you get it up in the morning excited to read and understand more of God's words? Or is it a boring routine for you, routine thing for you? Do you even bother to read it now? Do you come to church on Sundays excited to hear it preached? Are you, are you in a small group excited to go along and study God's word together? Because we need it. God's word is life-giving. If it's changed your life so that you are now God's child, it's there to continue to change you. By it we are being sanctified, which means to, to be made more holy, more pure. So be devoted to reading it. Be keen to come to church on Sunday mornings and evenings to hear it explained to you. If you can attend a small group, then be excited to share God's word with others. If you're involved with teaching God's word, whether it be preaching like I am now, or whether to children in a small group preaching uh, one-to-one with someone else, Be excited to share it with others. 
It's God's powerful words which changes our lives. So we should crave it so that we grow up in our salvation. But if that's not enough reason for you, have a look down there at verse 3 with me. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you've been born again this evening, you've tasted the goodness of God. My favourite food is spaghetti bolognese. Uh, I love it and I reckon I could eat it every day. If you put some in front of me now, I wouldn't just look at it. I wouldn't just eat it. I would savour every mouthful, enjoying the goodness that it brings. But what about the Bible? If we've tasted how good God is, in how he's transformed our lives from being dead in sin to being made alive forever, Knowing God as our Father, being part of this new, exciting family of believers, having that certain hope of heaven to look forward to. God has been good to you, and He is still being good to you. So why don't we read it? And not only read it, but chew on it. Savour each word. Let it do its work in us. Let's keep tasting the goodness of God in his words. There's so much we can learn from God's words. Just when I'm occasionally tempted to think I've learnt it all, seen fully how God is, suddenly I learn something more, something new. Learn to love him more. And I'm sure that's the case for even the very oldest Christian here. There's so much goodness of God in his word that we can taste and see. So keep craving it. Keep being fed by it. For it's through feeding on God's word our new life in Christ is going to continue. Our love for one another is going to grow. And those sinful things that get in the way of living this life that God calls us to live will be dealt with. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you that we've been able to think about it together this evening. And we ask that you would work in our hearts through your word this week and throughout our life. May you be changing us through it, shaping us to live out the life that you call us to live. Help us to crave your word and to feast on it day by day, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.